This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class a show that pays tribute to people of the past by telling their stories today. I'm Gabe Lussier, and today we're talking about the time when the first U.S. president offered a cash prize in exchange for a woman's freedom, a reward that thankfully went unclaimed. The day was May 23, 1796. George and Martha Washington offered a $10 reward for the capture of an escaped enslaved woman named Ona Judge. Ona, whom the Washingtons called Oni, had been enslaved as Martha Washington's personal attendant since she was 10 years old. After learning of Martha's intention to gift her to a family member, Ona fled from the president's home in Philadelphia on the night of May 21st. When the Washingtons realized she was missing, they sent an aide to post ads in all the local newspapers. The notice read, in part, Absconded from the household of the President of the United States on Saturday afternoon, Oni Judge, a light mulatto girl, much freckled, with very black eyes and bushy black hair. She is of middle stature, but slender, and delicately made, about 20 years of age. The first family offered a reward for Ona's return to bondage, $10, about the same price as a barrel of flour. Ona was born at the Washington's Mount Vernon estate sometime between the summer of 1773 and the spring of 1774. She was the daughter of one of Martha's enslaved housemaids, Betty, and an English-born indentured servant named Andrew Judge. As a young girl, Ona is believed to have lived with her mother in a small cabin on the Washington's property, where she likely had at least some level of interaction with her father. 
However, after fulfilling his work contract at Mount Vernon, Andrew Judge eventually moved away to start his own farm. Ona was left behind to be enslaved, as according to Virginia law, any child born to an enslaved woman was considered the property of the enslaver. Not long after her father's departure, Ona was moved into the mansion house to begin her training as a housemaid. She continued in that role until 1789, when she was chosen to accompany Martha to the president's house in New York City. Ona's duties as the first lady's personal attendant included helping her dress and groom, as well as joining her on social calls. In 1790, the nation's capital was moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and the presidential household, including Ona, moved with it. Life in New York, and then Philadelphia, was different in many ways from what Ona had known back in Virginia. She delighted in sampling new foods and taking in new forms of entertainment, including live theater and a traveling circus. But the biggest shakeup, by far, was Ona's introduction to Philadelphia's free black community. At the time, New York was still upholding the status quo of slavery, but in Pennsylvania, lawmakers had spent the last decade gradually abolishing the practice. By the time Ona arrived, she was actually in the minority as an enslaved woman in Philadelphia. There were roughly 6,000 free black men and women living within city limits, but there were fewer than 100 enslaved black people. The state even had a law that said any enslaved person brought into Pennsylvania would be granted their freedom after six months of residence. During her own lengthy stay in Philadelphia, Ona caught glimpses of the city's free black community, and in her private moments, I'm sure she longed to be a part of it. She would have had the chance, too, if not for some devious maneuvering on the part of President Washington. Once he was made aware of the state's six-month emancipation law, he immediately hatched a plan to subvert it. He began secretly rotating his enslaved house servants between Philadelphia and Mount Vernon. Whenever they neared the six-month threshold that would allow them to legally claim their freedom, Washington would send them back to Virginia, thus resetting the clock. He was well aware of just how callous and underhanded this action was. In fact, he instructed his secretary to lie to the enslaved workers about why they were being moved, or, as he put it, arrange the transfers, quote, under pretext that may deceive both them and the public. Washington's scheme served him well for seven years, but in the spring of 1796, one of his victims claimed her freedom through her own actions. Ona Judge was 22 years old at the time and preparing for her latest rotation back to Virginia when she overheard some troubling news. The Washington's eldest granddaughter, the notoriously temperamental Eliza Custis, had recently gotten married and Martha was planning to give her Ona as a wedding present. Rather than take her chances under a new, potentially more volatile enslaver, Ona resolved to make her escape just ahead of the summer trip back to Mount Vernon. Decades later, Ona reflected on her escape in an 1845 abolitionist newspaper. Recalling that fateful night, she said, quote, Whilst they were packing up to go to Virginia, I was packing to go, I didn't know where. For I knew that if I went back to Virginia, I should never get my liberty. I had friends among the colored people of Philadelphia, had my things carried there beforehand, 
and left Washington's house while they were eating dinner. She secured passage aboard the Nancy, a ship commanded by Captain John Bowles and bound for Portsmouth, New Hampshire. After a five-day voyage, Ona disembarked and began living her new life as a free woman. Meanwhile, back in Philadelphia, the first family was baffled by Ona's escape. They just couldn't figure out why she would want to leave them. According to their ad, quote, there was no suspicion of her going off, nor no provocation to do so. It is not easy to conjecture whither she has gone, or fully what her design is. The couple's ad went unanswered, but a few months later, Ona was recognized on the street by a relative of a family friend in New Hampshire. George Washington was informed of her whereabouts and quickly made arrangements for Ona to be apprehended by a customs officer in Portsmouth. His name was Thomas Whipple, and he was tasked with capturing Ona and putting her on a boat back to Washington. He managed to lure her out of hiding by posting a phony job offer, and Ona eventually agreed to be transported back south without a fight. However, on the day she was supposed to make the trip, she simply never showed up at the dock. Three years later, the Washingtons tried yet again to recapture Ona Judge, this time sending one of Martha's nephews to search for her in Portsmouth. Luckily, Ona was able to evade him by hiding out in a neighboring town. By the end of the year, George Washington was dead, and according to Ona, the family, quote, never troubled me anymore. That said, Ona Judge was still technically a fugitive. Although Washington had made provisions in his will to free those he had enslaved, that decision didn't apply to Ona, who had been gifted to the Custis family. At any moment, someone from their estate could legally recapture her and force her back into bondage. Despite that looming threat, Ona Judge did her best to enjoy her freedom. She married a black sailor named Jack Staines and started a family with him. She also taught herself how to read and write and became an active member of her local church. Ona's life still wasn't easy. She lived in poverty, and her husband died just six years into their marriage, leaving her to raise three small children on her own. Those hardships led one reporter to ask whether she ever regretted her escape to freedom. After all, she had left behind the relative comfort of the president's household for a life of hard work and worry. Ona's reply was brief and resolute. No, she said, I am free and have, I trust, been made a child of God by the means. Ona Judge Staines lived for more than 50 years as a free woman in New Hampshire. She died there on February 25, 1848, still free. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, consider keeping up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can get in touch directly by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays and Ben Hackett for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. With 
Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s, dance away with hip hop beats, and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.